No crying. There's no crying in baseball. card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 23 of Terrace Talk. It is Monday night of trade deadline week. The Brewers have an off day. However, um, there's uh, some rumblings of the Brewers checking in on some pretty damn big names that would make a, a pretty massive splash here at the deadline. Uh, we got the full crew, Mitch and Mitch, here to break it all down with you. Fellas, how are we doing? Man, it's been way too long since we've uh, all three have been together. We're fresh off a of Milwaukee Bucks uh, world title. Um, city is still buzzing, hasn't stopped. Kind of parlaying that into the Brewer season here. So uh, the trade deadline, it's hot. Um, John Heyman firing out tweets about the Brewers, linked to Trevor Story, Josh Donaldson. We'll dive in here deep. Yeah, uh, for our listeners, I promise you we will get back into our regular schedule. Obviously, we had a <clears throat> NBA finals to watch and go out and win. And then, you know, for this city not seeing a, a professional championship in 50 years, um, we had a, to, to take the proper time to celebrate and then recover. So um, the city is buzzing. Uh, the, you've kind of heard the Brewers talk a lot about they were in attendance for that game. And I honestly think them seeing the way that this city has rallied around them and the winning culture that they've built and essentially the Brewers have had a winning culture since 2018, but I think they really tasted that and felt like, Hey, this is now our time. So, um, you know, I think it's really time that Milwaukee is going to be the city of champions. Hell yeah, man. And, uh, like you said, we had to take the time to celebrate the Bucks, watch the Bucks, really put a dent into our pod schedule. Um, it's crazy, dude. Like 23 playoff games they play. They went 16 and 7, I believe. And uh, I was just talking to friend of the program, Winnie, today. Um, but we, I think I only watched three or four of them from my own home. Um, so that's how often I was at uh, a bar or the district or the game itself. Um, so yeah, I mean, really put a dent into the bank account, but, uh, for Milwaukee to get that title, um, and to see the city, the way it was, I mean, uh, tears of joy, definitely last Tuesday. And, uh, like you said, hopefully brewers are next would make for one hell of a, of a post COVID year in 2021. If, uh, if Milwaukee was able to pull off two, uh, championships in the same calendar year, um, I don't know if I would. Yeah, or if any of us would uh, would even survive a Brewers title at this rate, I was I was gonna I was gonna say I think us three'd be buried under Water Street or Wisconsin Avenue if the Brewers won a title. 
I'd be the guy, the video that went viral of the guy hopping out of the ambulance because he realized three thousand dollar uh ambulance fee. That would have that would easily be me. <laughs> yeah, that video was hilarious. The people jumping in the river after the championship game, just the joy in the streets was it was a blast. I think I hugged 300 people that night. And I'm telling you, if the Brewers do it, I'm going to hug every human that I see. Yeah, it's funny. I was kind of um, talked about this with a handful of people, too. Uh, to see the Bucks get that type of reaction was incredible. And, um, you know, they don't even have I, I would say the Bucks fan base is a little bit different. Like the Brewers, I feel like have had a consistent diehard fan base for 15 years or so. Um, the Bucks kind of seemed like it really gained steam the last three, four years. Um, so it'd be interesting to see the the differences and uh, and whatnot between them. I don't know. It's you never know until it happens. But I think a Brewers one might even surpass the Bucks celebration. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Bucks might have been a little bit more Milwaukee based, where right. I think the Brewers are a lot more followed across the state. So I think it would be more of like a massive state party celebration than, you know, the central Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, each celebration would be great in itself. Um, and the awesome part is the Brewers uh, are right in the mix to have a shot at this thing. Um, so as we sit here, uh, Monday, July 26. I mean, we're creeping into August. We're creeping in the trade deadline and the Brewers have a comfortable six and a half game lead uh, in first place of the NL Central right now. Um, after winning a series against uh, the AL Central leader, Chicago White Sox this weekend. Um, so we're, we're six and a half up on the Reds, eight up on the Cardinals and nine up on the Cubs who seem to be uh, primed to sell off. Um, a lot of their core who they don't plan on re-upping here. Uh, we already saw Pirates trade off um, probably their best player, uh, Adam Frazier, to the Padres um, this, uh, this weekend as well. So the chips are starting to fall, and it's, uh, it seems like the Brewers might be in big-time position to make a splash here and really attack this thing. Yeah, man, thank God we don't have to see him this week. I feel like every time – uh, matchup against the Pirates. He has three or four hits a night, specifically, specifically like late in the game, um, just backbreakers. So be good that uh, he's uh, not going to be on the diamond this week. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're to the we're to the point where you know when we're playing teams like Pittsburgh, there's no excuses to not win these series. Uh, you know, especially with the way we're built, and you would think, um, you know, over the next couple of days that we're going to be even stronger. Um, this really is, and I know we've been kind of getting it trending on, on Twitter. This really needs to turn into a boat race. Uh, there's no one else in the central that even comes close to us right now with their lineup up and down. Um, you know, that obviously includes the way our pitching's been, but um, th this, this thing should be over by early September. Yeah, and you even see it like we get the Sunday night baseball treatment. Um, you got Matt Vasgersian and uh, Eddie Perez. That's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they did a pretty good job last night, actually. Thankfully, um, you know, they didn't have their other ESPN partners on the call. Uh, but uh, you, you kind of get the sense that nationally and in the baseball world that the Brewers are gaining steam as like a legit World Series contender. And they're recognizing that no one on earth is going to want to see Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta 
um, in a playoff series. And who knows? I mean, uh, there's some Mad Max Scherzer um, Vegas odds being tossed around that have the Brewers like third or fourth um, in, you know, potentially landing Max Scherzer, uh, according to Vegas. Um, so who knows? They might even add to that and make a super rotation. Uh, but man, it's uh, it's exciting because you just get the feeling that something's gonna pop here. Um, you know, when when we have D- David Stearns checking in on Trevor Story and Josh Donaldson in the same day, um, it kind of seems like we're aiming pretty high right now. One thing that I know is for sure is that Las Vegas knows. <laughs> so everybody, hold your pants. We might have Mad Max in Milwaukee strutting yelling at other teams getting the homies fired up i can't wait we need mad max milwaukee i'm i'm here for it why not why, why, why not us why not yeah there's uh the last article I actually posted on mlb trade rumors is uh he he's reportedly open to waiving his no trade rights um so it seems like a deal where he would have to approve of it um but you know scott boris is his agent and uh Good old Scott Boris has a, a pretty solid relationship with Mark Antanasio and the Brewers. Um, so there's, there's some minor connections there. Um, and yeah, who knows what's going to happen, but I, I, I've been texting you guys for a while and kind of saying it. Um, I, I do think the Brewers are going to make a, a significant move here in the next uh, 48 to 72 hours before the deadline. It's nice to hear that buzz, not just coming from us because Obviously, the things that we've been saying about, you know, having the rotation that we do locked up for what we have them at the price that we have them at. It just doesn't make sense for them to just kind of sit by the wayside and kind of just like let things play out and hope that the current roster construction makes it because it's just like we are never going to be in this position again where you have three aces on, you know, arbitration or you know freddy's took that early deal but it's still ridiculously cheap we're never going to have this situation again so it's like you might as well figure out ways where you can continue to put out or you know go get guys to come in and solidify this lineup because you know that is where we're lacking i mean we're we we've been harping on christian and he really hasn't have it maybe it's time to get another christian type bat to help you know take that pressure off of him and maybe that gets him going um, so I'm really looking forward to this week. Um, I know the every year it's just like, you know, we're constantly checking in on guys, but we never actually end up making moves. I think that this really is a different time. And I do think we get a massive deal across the finish line. Yeah. And just to give, you know, we have gone over this all pretty, probably all 23 episodes at this point. Um, but just looking at fan graphs right now, um, Corbin Burns is now pitched enough to qualify and you know what uh, Jacob DeGrom has been hurt for a little bit here I think he's making a rehab start in a few days but um, you know Corbin and Freddie and Woody have kind of surpassed them innings wise and Corbin's even surpassed them uh, F war uh, so the Brewers currently have number two three and nine uh, in the F war rankings for National League pitchers that qualify. Um, so pretty absurd. I mean, it goes Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Trevor Rogers, Walker Buehler, Kevin Gosman, Herman Marquez, Clayton Kershaw, Freddie Peralta. So we have we have three of those top nine guys. Um, pretty amazing. So that's, you, that's what you're alluding to there. 
And if you add, you know, another starter to that, whether it's Max Scherzer, uh, Gibson, uh, I know we've been talking about Barrows too, since he's a pitcher that's about to be on the move. You're now talking about a rotation that's going to compete with the 2011 Phillies um, and some of those 90 Braves rotations for literally like the best rotations ever to, to be in baseball. So that's pretty wild to think about. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's insane. I think we'll, uh, we'll dive more into all the separate rumors here after we do our uh, weekly recap. Um, so uh, like I said, man, we had, uh, we had the series win against the White Sox this weekend. Took the both the games on Friday and Saturday. Um, lost a tough one yesterday, but it is what it is. I mean, whenever you can win a series against um, a team that's also buying for a World Series this year, um, you take it, especially with those prime pitching matchups. Uh, but yeah, yesterday, Sunday, uh, Sunday night baseball, Lance Lynn, Brandon Woodruff, uh, the pitching matchup lived up to the hype. Uh, Lynn went six innings, gave up only one run, uh, struck out six. Woody, <laughs> some very tough luck in that second inning, man. Um, and unfortunately, Lance Lynn put the bat on the ball. Uh, good for him for doing so, but turned out to be the difference in the game, uh, his two-run single in the second inning. Uh, but Woody recovered. Um, he threw seven innings, struck out nine, uh, has a 2.14 ERA on the year and continues to be one of the best starters in baseball. Um, beyond the... The pitching matchup yesterday did uh anything stick up or stick out to you guys um uh, you know kind of slow day at the plate only scored one run we had eight hits however and uh i know mitch bus you'll be you're uh you're pretty fired up about your man's work as of late i think he's like 10 for his last 22 might even be better than that but you want to touch on your man a little bit here yeah i mean i don't think there's anyone hitting the ball better right now than tyrone taylor on the uh on the Brewers right now, um, hit a huge grand slam on, I think that was Friday night. Yep. Um, he had a knock late, uh, against Hendricks. I mean, I know the rally kind of fizzled out, but still, um, a good at bat. He pissed on it. I think it was like 109 off, off the bat, up the middle. Um, I think he's kind of cementing himself as one of those guys that you have to play every day just because of what he brings into the box every day. Um, Kind of one of those guys, just like uh, on base, Chase Peterson, um, the more opportunities he gets, um, he's going to produce, get comfortable. Um, Jace is kind of a tough stretch right now, but uh, I think Tyrone is a special player. That's going to be huge for us down the road that uh, a lot of people don't really know about. So, I mean, unless you're a listener to the pod, but. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he's quietly put his OPS above 800. He's sitting at 814. Um, one of the best marks on the team um, of the guys that played on uh, on Sunday night. He only trails Colton Wong and Omar Nabaez in OPS, and it's uh, not by a whole lot. So the power numbers stick out. Um, he had a triple and a, a double yesterday, or a triple and a single, excuse me. Like you said, that big-time grand slam on Friday to put the game out of reach. Um, he's been lights out, so – it's going to be interesting, you know, if we do end up moving one of these outfielders, like we have a hunch that could be happening. Um, you know, if, if we do trade uh, Tyrone, you hope it's part of a pretty significant deal at this rate. Yeah. If we, if we move Tyrone, my insides will just burn. Well, well, let's, let's well, be clear here, depending on who we get back. 
Agree, agree. But still, I'll always have a small part of me that wishes we still had Tyrone. Right, and he's kind of playing himself into being a valuable, young, controllable asset that could get you, you know, if you're, say we're trying to attack a Jose Ramirez um, and you want to throw a, a prospect package, they're probably going to want some young major league assets as well. Um, just, just, you know, spitballing some ideas. But, you know, either if we have him for the rest of the year, you love it. If he's a part of a larger package, he's played himself into being a bigger piece to that as well. Yeah, he's 27, still has uh, one option left. So I suppose yeah. we'll see. And, and just to add to that, I mean, even before um, <clears throat> this is obviously all hypotheticals when we talk about trades, Lowe's getting activated tomorrow. So there's no way that they can send Tyrone down, right? There's just no way. Um, so it's like, it's almost like, and, and we kind of always joke about this with all of our players, but it's like, can we move one of our outfielders to first? Because it's like, we're, we're going to be carrying five outfielders down in the short term if they don't move one. And, you know, like you said, Tyrone's arguably a top three, top four hitter on this team this year. Um, I don't know how you can option him down. I don't think they will. I, but like you said, it's, it, it's going to be interesting then because you send Keston down, it leaves you with Rowdy at first base for the time being. And then uh, Jace Peterson, who they've thrown over there a couple of times and hasn't exactly been super impressive defensively there. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what, uh, what body type makes the most sense or um, obviously the Brewers are, you know, not, necessarily huge believers in that first base defense matters a whole lot but it still matters a little bit and I don't think it's as easy as just chucking a guy over there and praying that it works <laughs> so I don't know yeah long, long answer there to basically say I don't know they have a roster crunch and uh, this is the week where where our guy David gets uh, why he gets paid the big bucks in Matt Arnold and that front office I have a hunch that by game time tomorrow, not all of the outfielders are going to be on the team. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, and I don't know. Do you think in a contending team takes Jackie Bradley Jr. for some reason? Like, I don't know as if there's a team out there that would really want him. I could just, all I could see is if we do make one of these big splashes, say Trevor Story, we end up upping the prospect package to them if they take on JBJ's contract. Because, like, who is Colorado paying right now? They're not paying anyone. So it would make sense for us to be like, okay, you know, for two months of Trevor Story, we'll give you Terang and another one of our top five, top 10 prospects if you take JBJ's contract, something along those lines. Uh, maybe it's okay. Is Jackie Bradley's juniors, uh, is this option a player option or a team option? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I think it's uh, the deal includes an opt out clause after the first year. So let, let me see if that's a team or not. Either way, I think that that matters. Opt out would be his. So I know he won't opt out because no one after this year, this year, no one's going to, uh, you know, he's not going to get that. 12, I don't know, whatever it ends up being for next year. It's like 12, the value of 12 million is the value. Okay, so, yeah, so 2022, so next year is a player option, and the it comes with a $6.5 million buyout. 2023 is a mutual option. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, he, he ain't opting out of that at this rate because he's, uh, 
he's not going to get more than nine and a half million dollars on the open market at uh, the way he's been playing. Right. Exactly. So that's what makes me think that if, if we are to move one of those outfielders, it'll be lower JBJ and it's just attached with a higher prospect package. I know uh, the Phillies are uh, kind of in need of a center fielder. I think they just have a double Herrera running out there right now. Um, wonder if we see that uh, Reese Hoskins uh, to Milwaukee rumor that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, I guess I don't know really kind of what their infield looks like. I don't know if they have a log jam anywhere or a prospect coming up, but that's a, that's an eye. That's a team to keep an eye on is uh, the Phillies and the Brewers working out a deal. I think the Phillies are still in uh well, yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to buy. I don't know as if that would mean Has- Hoskins would be in a deal, but you're right. You know, I guess you never know. They're sitting at 500, but they're only three and a half games back of the Mets at this point. Yeah, I'm not too in tune of their, uh, their AAA squad, so I don't know if they have anybody that can come up and fill his uh, fill his spot. Yeah, there's there's uh, a lot of balls in the air right now. Um, yeah, the Brewers just have uh, a roster crunch in the outfield, uh, that's for sure. Um, speaking of JBJ, he actually had a decent game yesterday. Um, uh couple doubles um, against the White Sox. Um, and then other than that, I mean, Willie Adamas kind of had his worst week as a brewer, to be honest. Uh, he, they, they had him mic'd up, and he's, he's just a ball of energy no matter how he's playing. But he was very thankful for that infield single that the official scorer decided to give him after the fact. <laughs> kissing his bat too. Yeah, yeah he's an electric factory, and I, I'm not too worried about him. I mean – He's had so many big moments already and he's still, I mean, it'll be, I think it'll be fine, but him having a slow week on top of our, our guy, Christian Yelich having a slow year um, makes for a, a quiet offensive week for the most part, besides Friday and Saturday. Colton Wong's been another hitter too. That's been, he's just pretty much been consistently solid all year he's just got to stay healthy I mean he came off the IL and just started raking right away and it's it's kind of rare because he's like he's had what three stints on the IL now and it always kind of feels like okay one of these times he's going to be rusty from sitting out and it's like that first game bat he ends up having like three hits and he's like picks up right where he left off um so he's always been consistently in the mid 800s for his OPS which is awesome yeah man like you said health is health is the key with him because he's been so consistent and very good. One of the best defensive second basemen in baseball on top of his offensive production. So operation, keep Colton healthy for the rest of the year. Um, do we want to, we could save our Christian Yelich talk for the second half of the pod. Um, but Saturday Brewers win six to one. Um, Corbin Burns was brilliant. Once again, uh, like we said, he's tied for major league lead and uh, F war and um you know, a month and a half ago when they took away the spider tag and his cutter wasn't moving nearly as much and he had like one rocky outing where the Pirates kind of sprayed the ball a little bit. Um, there were some rumblings and not necessarily amongst Brewers fans, but more so like the fantasy baseball community that, uh, you know, trade burns now. Um, he's not the same type of pitcher without the spider tag and, uh, you know, he's not putting up maybe as gaudy as strikeout numbers, um, but he's been just as good. I mean, he went six innings here, only allowed four hits with six strikeouts, two walks, um, lowered his ERA to 2.12. Um, so shout out to Corbin. He keeps on dominating and throwing the ball well. 
Yeah, man. I feel like this game, there's a lot of soft contact. I know what in the fifth inning um, when the White Sox scored, um, was that Moncada that missed home plate? Um, I think yeah. the inning started off with maybe a walk or a solid single. And then it was two, uh, a swinging bunt um, and then a flare into the outfield that loaded the bases. Um, unfortunately, you, uh, Moncada missed the home plate. Um, uh, we grounded a third, but um, I don't know. I feel like he, I feel like he pitched really well and the box score didn't really show how well he pitched um, just as kind of the choppy contact that he got. And I feel like that's the story of his game. Um, not really much you can do about it, but uh, I mean, he threw really well and it's, I mean, held the White Sox to five runs over three inning or three games, not innings, but uh, that potent lineup. I mean, you can say they're injured and not hundred percent, but they, st- they still have a good ass lineup. So um, yeah. I mean, overall, just really happy the way our uh, three dogs kind of performed over the weekend. Um, it's exciting against like probably uh, they're probably one of the AL favorites, probably top three. Yeah, yeah. and I just want to add one thing on Corbin too. Um, you you mentioned the the spider tech and kind of those different things, but between Corbin and Woodruff, I think they're just really growing as pitchers and realizing that you don't need to strike everyone out. And part of, you know, getting deeper in games, pitching into the seventh and eighth is getting early week contact. I think you're seeing that with Corbin and Woodruff as their strikeout numbers sometimes will go down um, where they don't have those games where they're, you know, throwing 12, 13 strikeouts consistently. I mean, not consistently, but I think that's just what you're seeing with them. They're adapting a little bit to taking those early count, you know, weak ground outs or fly outs because it allows them to pitch deeper in games. And, and to Buss's point, um, you know, the eye test matches up with the way Corbin's kind of, you know, allowed those soft contact hits and infield singles and, you know, a bunch of duck snorts that sneak out there um, because he has the best FIP in baseball by a full run from those pitchers that qualify. His FIP is 1.35 and in second is Zach Wheeler at 2.33. Yeah, I think I tweeted that. I mean, DeGrom must have just dropped off from a qualified pitcher's person. Yeah, yeah. and I can I can organize it with uh, minimum pitches of zero. Let's see here. Yeah, because, I mean, I think DeGrom and Corbin are literally like a full – like they're pretty much identical. And then, like you said, they're a full one better than the next person. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's insane how much uh, how much better they are than everyone. Um, cool. And then, uh, the, <laughs> the, the coming out party for Rowdy to that, uh, that night too, a couple of solo monster shots, um, from big Rowdy, which was pretty cool to see Colton hit a bomb lead off bomb off of Carlos Rodon, who's been incredible himself this year. Um, so Tyrone Taylor, another multi-hit game, um, a lot of good things all the way around that night besides, uh, Besides from the two, three, four hitters, when you got Willie struggling a little bit this week, Yelich, another slow game, Avi, another slow game. Um, so hopefully, you know, the, the main guys in our lineup get going here. Um, let's see, Friday, this was uh, Mr. T-Rat's big moment, the grand slam to put us up seven to one which there was uh, a couple of White Sox fans out there in the universe that 
claimed the umpires lost them a 7-1 game on Friday, which is quite humorous. They're another uh, joyful fan base. Um, Chicago just has a weird sense of pride of coming up and taking over a stadium, which good for them. Their fans can drive an hour and a half, but uh, not even. Right. Right. But side of Chicago, it's like a 40 minute drive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've seen all the memes. Uh, they're paying the bills, both the Chicago teams, whatever. Um, we're done with the White Sox for the year. And I think the Cubs probably come up here one more time. Um, so it should be a pretty brewer centric crowd the rest of the way. Anyway, the White Sox fan base also very annoying in the brief time that we played them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you see, y'all saw on Twitter, but um, after indulging on some alcoholic beverages, I decided to go after one of the biggest Cub Twitter accounts. And of course, I got quote tweeted and was um, getting into it with about 50 different Cubs fans. But, you know, I always go down swinging. So um, that wasn't a pleasant uh, surprise. But yeah, no, it was just overall it was it was a great week. And I absolutely love when, you know, Chicago's ego takes over and they continue to rip on us and we just pound them. Um, pretty much every series we've seen them this year. So it's been fun. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's been great. Um, haven't lost a series to Chicago yet. So um, might as well play them all the time. They can bring their fans. We'll just continue winning series. Um, <laughs> anyways, Freddie makes his return off his uh, Craig Council and the front office gave him a little break after his uh, incredible all-star outing just to kind of limit his innings. Um, he's now at 102 for the year. Uh, same amount as Corbin. So two months left. Um, they should be in pretty good shape to kind of pitch every fifth, sixth day from here on out. They've done a pretty good job of limiting, you know, sitting them for a start or two. Um, in Corbin's case, it was like the coronavirus uh, and coming in contact with it or whatever. Um, and in Freddie's case, they purposely gave him that long break post all-star break. Um he threw four scoreless innings, struck out five. Uh, normal Freddie only gave up one hit. No one hits Freddie. Um, gave up a couple walks. You know, classic Freddie Peralta line. Um, Hauser gets the win out of the bullpen. Boxberger comes in, does a good job. Strickland. Um, and then uh, Gustave. Gustave pitched the ninth inning in that game. So, um, yeah, man, you guys have any other takeaways from Friday? It looks like Omar had a nice day. Uh, Rowdy had a really nice Friday, Saturday. Um, and then obviously the big blast by Buss's, uh, Buss's guy. The MLB video that they posted of that, like, of like just listening to the bat and the crowd was so cool. Goosebumps, um, watching that. But yeah, I mean, um, there was a couple of interesting pitching takeaways in there in that game. And it's for some reason, and I know there we kind of like joked at it at first. But if we do acquire a starting pitcher, it seems like Adrian Hauser, I don't know if it's like a comfortability thing for him or what, or he doesn't feel like he has to nibble as much. But him out of the bullpen, the couple of times we've seen him out of the bullpen this year, he's been absolutely lights out. Um, so I don't know if that's the move for them or they, you know, maybe they look to tandem him for a while to kind of save uh, some of the innings. Um, but yeah, the, the, the pitching on Friday night was, was awesome. And, and you mentioned Gustave. I, I didn't realize we just keep finding guys that throw a hundred miles an hour, which is obviously awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When Gustave went in there, I was like, Holy hell, <laughs> that's another guy that has a lot of potential out of the bullpen. And so. Tapa's coming back soon. It sounds like he'll be back in like the second week of August. 
Um, there was also rumors about Ethan Small being called up. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I still think we're going to acquire a pen arm, but there's a lot of reinforcements on the way too um, from an internal perspective. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, one of the Brewers guys had a McAlvey, Hoddercourt, maybe, um, man, what's his name? Yeah, that came out with the article from fan sided Robert Murray. I don't know, one of those guys. Um, you know, that was in this the same tweet essentially. I think it was like Tope was coming back in the next few weeks, and then they kind of threw in there Ethan Small is uh is a possibility, which is kind of exciting. I wonder, um, and I haven't really even been paying close attention to this, especially with the Bucks run going on. But has Aaron Ashby kind of uh kind of gone sideways since that rough debut in the major leagues uh no well he spun a little bit but he's his last like two or three starts he's had like 10 strikeouts so um yeah he's back okay that's uh that's good to know yeah it looks like i think he pitched two days ago and had like nine or ten strikeouts and gave up maybe one run oh wow yeah he threw <laughs> he threw three and two thirds and struck out nine. Oh yeah <laughs> that was yesterday yeah i saw that all right, so um, that's a good sign uh, against Jacksonville yesterday. Um, cool. I It kind of seems like Ethan Small's been producing more at that level than, uh, than Ashby and kind of shows with uh, – as him being the guy mentioned in that tweet there. Yeah. Also, some breaking – kind of breaking news. The Cubs are closing in on a deal to move uh, Andrew Chafin, so they're moving one of their big-time relievers. Andrew, Ch- to what team? Doesn't say. Gotcha. Yeah, it seems like they're about to they're about to unload a little bit. Yeah, I saw a report that Kimbrel was going to be dealt sooner than sooner rather than later too. So, um, let's see. Uh, I got a Heyman tweet, but it was about uh, a Reds draft pick. <laughs> All right. We have our we have our notifications on. We're kind of hoping and praying that we get some big Brewers news in the uh, the next 30, 40 minutes of the pod here. Just wait till after Friday to tweet that, John. Christ, <laughs> nobody, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, man, and I feel like we've done this a couple times too. But Corbin Burns' baseball savant page is truly absurd. I think we need to do an updated tweet from our Twitter account. Um, he is dark red in everything uh, except max exit velocity. And that's probably because he, the, just the way he throws, but I mean, it's insane, very insane. So. And, uh, so I don't know if I told you guys this, so this could be breaking news for you guys. I'm going to Atlanta this weekend to watch the Brewers play on the road. Um, oh, nice. So I'll get to see Truest Park for the first time in Cobb County. So I'm hoping that I get both Corbin and Woodruff this weekend, which it may align that way because it's Anderson tomorrow. I'm assuming it'll go lower than on Wednesday and maybe Freddie on uh, Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking like that's the case. It hasn't officially been announced around the, the Brewers website yet, but one would assume that would be the, the route they're going to go. Cool, man. Well, uh, we can wrap up the the first half of the pod and we'll get into um, more in depth about the trade deadline. Um, You know, the Ender Inciarte reports that came out this morning and kind of what it might mean for the next 24, 48 hours. And uh, unfortunately have to, to get in depth a little bit about our 
uh, $300 million man, CY, Christian Yelich. So we'll be right back here. All right, guys. So uh, we got to jump in here um, to really the – I would consider the biggest negative of the Brewer season so far. Um, if you look around the board um, of your expectations of pretty much everyone on the team, um, they've pretty much – either delivered or exceeded or been right below kind of what we expected out of them. Um, everyone except for Christian Yelich, who just signed a seven year, $188 million extension with the Brewers. So, um, you know, I'll kind of leave it to, to Mitch L to kind of start this discussion. Um, he, he was kind of the, we were kind of poke, both kind of poking our heads around the Twittersphere and our group chat and, um, you know, as of the last three, four weeks, I think it's been getting more more of a popular take to kind of start complaining about what we're seeing from Christian so far this year. Yeah, um, and I, it kind of started as a joke because like part of me thought like he would get going. And then when you start looking at it from a reverse perspective of he's been like this for the last calendar year, um, it's hard to call it a slump at this point and a legit concern. Um, you know, from a value perspective, and I saw uh, CC was defending him and talked about his OPS still being above league average, which is true. Um, a lot of his, you know, stats are, you know, kind of over it. But at the same point, if we're, uh, I'm going to cut you, I'm going to rudely cut you off. Uh, good for CC. I mean, I wouldn't expect CC to trash him, but also we're giving him a hip hip hooray for being a, a slightly above league average in OPS. It's like, man, we're really grasping at straws at that rate then. And the only reason, yeah, like what I was trying to say was the only reason he is that way is because he's walking, right? He's become an on-base yeah. percentage guy, which is which is fine, right? So he still has value as a hitter. It's fine if that's a guy that is on an arbitra arbitration deal or, you know, just is playing for like a minimum deal or anything like that. We're talking about a guy that we just gave $230 million to that that part of the contract hasn't even started yet. So if we're talking about this isn't even like the back half of a long-term deal that you're just kind of feeding that you already got value for, that deal hasn't even started yet. So um, it's really concerning and it's, it's kind of hard to complain because of what our record is and, and, you know, where we're at. But at the same time, it's like, think about how good this team could be if Yelich was even like a 850 OPS guy, which shouldn't be that hard to ask for for a guy that's getting paid $230 million. So um, yeah, I mean, you talked about him hitting the ball hard, which is fine and everything, but he's missing some very hittable pitches. I mean, I think last night there was, uh, he had came up with a guy on first and second, uh, late in the game and he swung and missed at like a middle, middle, like cutter or something along those lines where old Yelich would have put that in the bleachers. Um, so I haven't seen anything that gives me hope that he'll turn it around. I think his OPS in July is like 660. Um, which is, which is embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, he's on pace to be like, if he played 162 this year, um, he's on pace to be like a two win player. Um, his war right now is exactly one. Um, he's right there with Luis Urias, um, pre-arb guy, uh, who is, you know, kind of like our super utility third baseman, um, but was a super utility guy before like Shaw got hurt and we traded for Willie and so forth. Um, 
Avi 1.2, T Rat 1.2, Colton Wong 1.9, Willie Adamas 2.7, Omar 2.8. Um, and you got guys like Jace Peterson at 0.9, uh, barely trailing Christian Yelich. And it's like, holy man. Um, so it's, uh, it's tough. And this is a point I made uh, yesterday when we were talking about this. I don't remember a big home run from him this year. I want to say all six of them have come in like five plus run games against like bottom tier bullpen arms. Um, someone can fact check me on that, but just off the top of the dome, um, I don't remember him having a, a single big moment this year. And he's, and this, this comes from some frustration of him stranding a lot of runners on Sunday, Saturday over the last month or so, but it's a, uh, it's a tough watch. Um, he's good at taking walks right now and that's about it. Um, but with that being said, we'll, uh, we'll toss it over to boss for our hint of optimism with, uh, with Yelich here. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm always optimistic. We all know that the Terrace yeah. Talk listeners know that. Um, I mean, we're pretty spoiled with 18 and 19 where he posted a thousand OPS and a thousand one hundred OPS. Um, I mean, we're used to him hitting big home runs every time he comes up. Um, I mean, I feel like this, I mean, last year was kind of difficult because it was COVID, obviously no fans in the stands, um, no energy, really. Um, this series kind of battled injuries. I mean, teams still fear Christian Yelich. I mean, you can tell that they kind of pitch around him. Um, if there's a runner on second, God, I don't, I'm just waiting for him to snap out of it. I mean, we've been waiting for it all year. Um, he's shown kind of glimpses of it where he's barreled a couple balls, but I mean, late in the game, he struck out against, uh, what fuck? What's his name? Who started for the White Sox? Oh, uh, Lance Lynn took a cutter, kind of down and in. Flat, uh, two years ago, he puts that ball in the right center gap, and um, it's a tie baseball game. So, I don't know. I'm. I still think Yelich is going to pull through here. I mean, he's still hitting the ball hard, taking his walks. Um, his strikeouts are up a little bit, but uh, I don't know if there's something mechanically he's working on right now. But I'm still hopeful for our boy. Is this is this just blind uh, bus optimism, or is there something that you've seen that makes you think he's going to snap on? Do you, I mean, I guess my question should be: Do we ever see 2018, 2019 Yelich again? I mean, I don't know if we ever see a thousand OPS Christian Yelich like for a full 162. I mean, that, those are fucking Barry Bonds' number and his prime numbers. Um, God, I mean, I feel like he's striking out a lot less over the last, uh, since the all-star break. So about a month, um, he's just not, I mean, he's had knocks, but he's just not hitting the ball over the fence. And that's just something we're super accustomed to. So I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's mechanical or if it's in his head where he doesn't think he has protection, um, with Adamas, who's been having a hell of a year. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Is he too used to having a RB eight behind him? Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the missing piece is that uh, something about Ryan just gets him going. Uh, they should just hire him to be a bench coach if he doesn't want to play. Then just hang out with Ryan Braun if that's what it takes to produce. <laughs> yeah, I will say yeah. that too. If there are if there are fans out there that and we had the fans that complained about Ryan's contract, I can only imagine what they're going to say uh, in a couple of years if this is the Christian Yelich that we consistently have. 
there's no way that there's no way this is the Christian Yelich that we're going to have. No chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I sure hope not. Um, it hasn't been very fun. I mean, he he's walking, uh, but the like you said, you think he's striking out a whole lot more, and he is, man. He's he's the 15th percentile in baseball for K percentage, uh, 20th in whiff percentage. Um, another thing he doesn't really, really do well is, is his defense is kind of tapered off. Um, he's fine, perfectly capable, but his outfielder jump is low tier. Um, so while we're piling on him, I mean, there's, there's definitely some things that, uh, he's going to need to improve on here. Um, and it all starts with him just hitting, <laughs> hitting extra base hits, hitting for power, driving in runs. Um, you can deal with his below average throwing arm outfielder jumps and so forth when he's hitting for 30 home runs a year and stealing 20 bags. You know, I, th- I think to add on, I think Christian is kind of one of those like rhythm guys that needs to like see consistent baseballs. I mean, last year it was kind of, I mean, I hate to blame everything on a COVID year, but they didn't really know there was, they played what 60 games last year. So, I mean, they yeah. didn't really know if the season was conti- going to continue in this year. He kept having back injuries. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for Christian, but yeah. he hasn't had know. one in a while and he's almost up to 300 plate appearances. So, I mean, it's, I think we've been fair with the, the amount of time because it had, it was a handful of months before, you know, what, when was the last time he was, he was out like end of May, mid May. I'm genuinely, I am, I'm genuinely asking, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like mid or early May. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the optimism and I, I truly hope that it comes around because um, we're going to need them, especially with that contract extension kicking in um, and having a, a small market like Milwaukee, um, you know, have that much and that high of a percentage of their payroll going to one corner outfielder. Uh, we're going to need him to, to hit palms, dude. We're going to need him to, drive in runs and be the old CY. Um, any, any final words on that other than we're hoping for him to turn it around? Do you have it? You still have his baseball page up. Do you know what his yeah. average uh, launch angle is this year compared to years past? It seems like he's back to like, kind of like Marlon's yellow where he's just hitting everything into the ground. I don't have the stats in front of me, but that's just what, what the eye test tells me. This is average launch launch angle way down. Yeah, so it's it's four point one this year. It was seven point one in the shortened COVID year, and when he was rolling in twenty nineteen, it was eleven point three. Yeah, it's what it seems like. So does he need to dip and drive more? And who knows? Maybe that kneecap is uh, there's there's more behind that, and he's not one to give off that excuse. So. I guess you don't know. I'm a little tired of him given the, the same, I suck interviews. I've, I've heard that, that same interview uh, one too many times for my liking over the last year plus. So hopefully he can just start producing on the field and uh, be our, be our go-to guy again. I mean, I think uh, after this pod, I think we start with a fresh straight flesh, fresh slate shit um, with Christian Yelich. So no neg, no negativity, good vibes only for CY. Okay, you get, you get three three games to justify your opinion, and then you can either. Uh, I'll, I'll give them more than that. I'll give them uh, if you want me to be positive about CY. I'll give you, I'll give you the next two weeks, and then we'll right. visit two pods from now. 
um, and we'll we'll go from there. So I I promise in our group chats I will not say a negative word about that man for two weeks. Mitch, you too. Sc- screenshots <laughs> don't lie, Mitch. I'm gonna tell you right now he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna go over three with two strikeouts tomorrow night. I'm gonna fucking lose my shit. <laughs> well, let's let's hope not. We need we need uh, the normal Christian back. Um, cool. Well, we can uh, we can kind of end the pod about uh, the trade deadline here. So, unfortunately, we haven't had anything break besides Andrew Chafin getting traded to the A's. Um, so, the team was announced. A's are buying for some bullpen help. The Cubs sell off begins, um, and Jeff Passan just tweeted that it won't be official medical whatever okay just wanted to make sure it wasn't a brewer's piece there um so let's uh let's get into the ender inciarte tweet that came out today um we had uh a braves reporter um who broke the marcel ozuna news i believe um tweet that the Brewers had picked up or traded for Ender Inciarte after he was designated for assignment, um, which could mean a whole world of things for the Brewers. Um, so I guess, what are your thoughts? Um, do you believe this news? I guess, what's your general takeaways? Um, if this is true, what, what does this mean for the current club? Mitch, I'll let you take this one. Cause I mean, you kind of voiced it in the group chat today. Yeah, so there's a, I got a couple of things on this, and I saw a couple of other brewer bloggers were saying that they didn't believe it would, it would to be fake or or any or something along those lines. I just have a hard time believing that a specific Braves writer, obviously where Ender has spent pretty much a majority of his career, would make up some story about him. It's not like he's trying to get ahead of some large scoop. We're talking about a guy that got DFA'd. And you're also talking about the guy that dropped the Ozuna news before Ozuna signed. So I think this does have some legs, but I think the reason why it hasn't come out publicly, maybe by like one of the the big fives, one of the Kens or the Johns is because I think this deal is 100% dependent upon another deal that hasn't been finalized yet. Um, That would be my guess is that like, that'll get announced and then you'll see like, a flip of like JBJ or, or low, which we were just talking about because that brings back that outfielder depth, but there's just no way, especially since Ender has no options left. There's no way this team carries six MLB outfielders. It just doesn't make any sense. So this move has to mean that they are trying to work another deal with one of their current outfielders. I know Stearns loves his depth, but there's no way they carry six outfielders. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. You'd think like JBJ or Low Kane would be a part of that move. I mean, who knows? It could mean it could mean anything really. So um, it's fun to speculate. I mean, I'm I'm all for especially the week of the trade deadline talking about all the theoreticals here. Um, but yeah, I mean, to to note here, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of teams um, linked to both Josh Donaldson and Trevor Story. Um, I mean, it, it really indicates to me that the Brewers are doing their due diligence and checking in on those those bigger names. So I guess, do you have a preference between the, the two of those guys? Um, personally, I would like Trevor Story. I don't know. Uh, Josh Donaldson, I don't get me wrong. If a notification came in the second, I would buy in in a heartbeat. Uh, but his personality, I don't know. I, I would be nervous about bringing a guy like that in 
to a clubhouse that loves being around each other and respects each other as much as the Brewers clubhouse. What do you, what do you guys think? You think Donaldson would just, do you think he's as big as a, a douchebag as I think he is? I'll, I'll go first. Cause I know boss is going to have a different take than us. I'm spotting in agreement with you where I just worry about a guy that is that out there with his like, I would guess I would, he kind of reminds me of like that eighth grade superstar athlete that was a bully to everyone else. Like, Oh, you can't talk to me. I'm better than you type kind of guy. That's the vibe that I get from him. Obviously he's a really good player. um, And one of the best third basemen out there. Uh, He has some health concerns for me, especially with that contract. But I just wonder about how happy, like you said, how happy and positive this team is um, and the energy that they have. I wonder what bringing in a guy like Donaldson does to that. Yeah, Mitch. I mean, I'm, I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Granted, I'll be happy for whoever the Brewers get. I mean, they're going to get a superstar. Hopefully um, David doesn't let us down, but <laughs> I think the Brewers are kind of lacking that dog mentality. I mean, we saw it with the Bucks, man. We saw it with uh, PJ Tucker, Bobby Portis, kind of the bulldogs of the team. Um, I mean, Giannis and Chris don't really talk that much. So, and I mean, none of our three horses, Yelich doesn't talk at all. So I feel like we kind of need that cocky asshole that hits bombs late in the game. And is just, I know, I know Adamas pimps everything, but man, the, just that flair would be incredible. I don't, I don't think he, I think if he's on your team, you love him. If you're facing him, you hate him. And I mean, that's completely fine. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a very good point bus and kind of, kind of persuaded me a tad there um, with whenever you bring Bobby Portis into it. <laughs> yeah. We some dog, we some dogs, baby. I like that. I like that comparison, and I I kind of agree in a sense that we don't have that guy, that that fiery guy, I suppose. So sure, um, I would still prefer Trevor Story of the the two of them. Um, but yeah, I, that was a very good point. Um, the Brewers were in a Robert Murray article today. Um, you know, basically. The, there's a high-ranking exec that kind of reiterated what we've been saying for a while um, with the way the Brewers pitching contracts line up, um, that uh, it makes sense to go and make a splash right now um, and really go for it the next three, two, three seasons. Um, so, you know, they've mentioned like Jesus Aguilar again, um, but it's, it seems like there might be a bigger move in sights here. Um, cool. And they, there's reports that, uh, Jose Ramirez is on the block from the Indians too. So, um, that would obviously take a monster package. And there are some arguments in Brewers Twitter over the last few weeks on who's untouchable, who's not. Um, I'll just go ahead and say that absolutely no one is untouchable when it comes to getting Jose Ramirez. So, um, when you're looking at MVP player, I don't care about an 18 year old prospect that may or may not be a big leaguer someday. Um, in Edbert Perez, uh, you go get an MVP candidate to play third base for the next three seasons. No you're doubt. You're <laughs> talking about a guy, so two and a half years of Jose Ramirez, say his floor is six and a half for war, and that's probably a, an accurate floor. <clears throat> so you're talking about 15 to 16 for war for for jram most yeah. guys i would say 85 percent of people that come from the minors to get to the majors like dream of having that like in their career and that's two and a half years of him 
Um, don't get me wrong. Like I know Perez has had some success in Arizona, but for people to say that an 18 year old that has shown some ceiling or some pop is going to turn into Tatis is absolutely mind boggling. And if, if, on top of that, too, there were some proposed trades that didn't include Garrett Mitchell. I think that's laughable because the Indians would laugh at us if we tried to give them an offer that doesn't include Garrett Mitchell. Um, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I and as good as Garrett Mitchell, I think will be um, if he's a part of a deal to get Jose Ramirez, you you pull the trigger. I mean, obviously under, you know, realistic possibilities, but. I mean, the people, it's funny because people say the Brewers farm system stinks and then there's people within the Brewers Twittersphere that won't give up our number three and four prospects to get Jose Ramirez. So, I mean, I don't know. You have to, one side or the other, in my opinion, you go after it for these next three years and let the chips fall where they may. You go, you go try to get the World Series. Exactly. I mean, it's like just like a perfect timing for our window too. And you're talking about a guy that's like, it's not like you're taking on a massive contract either. His deal is very club friendly. Um, if the Indians at all are taking like calls and actually seriously listening on them, I, if I'm Stearns, I'm literally being like, okay, what is it going to take? And then I'm seriously considering whatever that is going to take. Yeah. I mean, it'd be awesome. And hopefully, uh, Hopefully this week is just beginning. I mean, the Brewers could use some relief help. Who knows? I mean, their Vegas odds on Scherzer are high. And honestly, they were pretty far up there on Chris Bryant, too. Um, I suppose we could talk about that for a second. I don't see a universe anywhere that uh, the Cubs trade Chris Bryant to the Brewers. So, I mean, it's fun to talk about and dream about. He's versatile. He plays all over the field and would be a great fit. Um, I just don't see it happening. Question to you, would you, maybe the Cubs don't do this. If the Cubs come back to us and say, you can have Chris Bryant, but we're taking the four years of Keshin Hara for you. Are you doing two months of Chris Bryant for Keshin Hara straight up? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, I don't know if the Cubs would do that. Maybe because it's four years and you're, you're banking on his prospect pedigree and his rookie season. It's so, it's so, and, and that's the thing is like, it's so hard to judge what two months worth of a player is, especially a guy like Chris Bryant that. Yeah, that's the, true. Um, yeah. He does go on stretches for like a month where he just doesn't show up. Obviously yeah. he MVP, MVP potential too, but it's, it's just hard to judge what two months of Chris Bryant's worth. Yeah. That's when I, I think when teams have those rental pieces, they just kind of assume that they're getting top 100 prospects and this and that like top tier guys. And it's like, that's, that's not usually how it works um, when you're getting 60, 60 games worth of a player compared to whatever contract, you know, if you're getting a minor uh, top tier minor leaguer, you're getting seven years of a guy. Right. Um, And that's what I mean. It's like my benchmark has always been in 2018 when the Dodgers traded for Manny Machado they got five essentially flyer prospects. There were some decent prospects in there, but there's no T100 guys in that deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bunch of flyers. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, especially what the Cubs do within our own division, what the Brewers do. Um, even the Reds, I mean, they're six and a half games back. Um, 
there's been talks about them potentially buying or even selling who knows they're they're kind of in the middle so um do you have any any final thoughts before we end the pod i think uh then we kind of talked about this but if any major news goes down i think uh we'll be jumping on for an emergency pod this week at some point yeah and i honestly think that that will happen so you know this is kind of my you can book it from me and if not you can come yell at me um there will be a second pod this week because there's no way that the Brewers look at the current outlook of the team over the next couple of years and feel like this isn't their way to go for it. So um, I, I would expect us to acquire a pretty impact player over the next couple of days. Yeah, I would most definitely agree with that. Um, cool, man. Well, we got the, uh, we got the pirates for three uh, an off day and then, uh, and then we got the Braves this weekend and you're going to be in attendance. So that's, yeah. That's pretty cool. You get to report on how the ballpark is and what the vibes were. Um, so cool. With that being said, let's uh, let's hope uh, the Brewers make a, a massive move and on their way to uh, to a playoff berth here. So, and uh, let's uh, let's cook, man. Let's cook. <laughs>